Well, good morning, everyone. Thank you so much for being here this morning. You see up on the screen two of the verses that we were singing, I think, in the first song, Eric, is that correct? And I asked Ronald if he would put these two up just to alert us to something. Because we sang with gusto and we sang with meaning. Because I believe that if you are a child of God, then the content and the meaning and the truth of what is in these two verses is very desirous. Amen? Amen. Let us become more aware of God's presence. Let us experience the glory of your presence. And I think those two verses, thank you, Eric, you didn't know all this, but the Holy Spirit knew it. I think these two verses encapsulate what we'll be speaking about this morning. As you know, for those of you who have been here more than a few weeks, we've been in a, and I say this in a, in a good way, a protracted study of Paul's letter to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians. And we continue that this morning, and we're going to emphasize the passage that is pretty well known in many churches. In some churches, it is hailed perhaps as one of the most significant passages in the entire Bible, the gifts of the Spirit. In other churches, hmm, this is just not something that we're interested or excited about because we believe these gifts no longer function. And so we're going to continue to talk about this. Ronald spoke about it last week. Keith, a few weeks ago, Pastor Keith talked about the general understanding of the gift of the Spirit. And we're not going to go into the particulars of each of the gifts. We'll leave that to Pastor Keith. But what we're going to do, I'm hoping that the Holy Spirit will do what he's put on my heart to do. He's going to give us, I believe, not the earthly view, because the earthly view puts me at the center. These are for me and for us to minister to one another, etc. That's not wrong. But you see, there's a greater view. There's a heavenly view. And this passage, like any and every passage in the Word of God, must be seen certainly within the context of the earthly impact. Right? But that which is of the earthly impact is going to be the the preponderance, the significance The amazingness of what we're experiencing in the earthly impact must be understood from the heavenly perspective in order to see the glory of God and what is going on 
in our daily lives. So let's read this passage together. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 8 through 10. To one, yeah, okay. To one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom. To another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles, to another, prophecy, to another, the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another, various kinds of tongues, to another, the interpretation of tongues. And so when Paul writes this under the leading of the Holy Spirit, under the inspiration, this is what the Holy Spirit has given Paul so he can write it down for those believers and for us today. This is the word of God. This is not just what Paul thought. This is God himself speaking to us today. And in verse 7, and Ronald dealt with this last week, the nine gifts that are listed in this passage are given for the common good. For the common good. In other words, these nine gifts that are given to us by God the Father, purchased for us at the cross of Christ, and manifested in us by the Spirit. The purpose of these gifts is given to at least, among other things, to strengthen us, to encourage us, and to mature us. So we see that. Now, the problem with the Corinthian church is that, and it's still a problem today, <clears throat> that these gifts were being used for self-aggrandizement, for my benefit, to make me somebody, to, 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 to bring the attention to me. Now, we acknowledge there are abuses of these gifts in some circles. But where there is abuse, we don't cease to believe in and embrace and walk in that which God has given to us. So if one child of yours gets a lovely present and that child abuses it in some way. You know, your son gets something and he hits his sister over the head with it. You don't stop giving gifts, do you? You just instruct your son. Oh, don't ever use that anymore because if you ever get that again, what you're going to do is this and this. We don't live that way, church. Maybe some of you do. Anybody lives that way in here? You see, the church in Corinth, and we don't want to be this way, they had missed God's, may I say that again? They had missed God's, may I say it one more time? They had missed who? God's 
primary purpose for giving the gifts. And that's what we must see this morning by illumination of the Holy Spirit. What is God's primary purpose? Why has he given us these things? We must know that for some very obvious reasons. See, in John 15, 26, do you have that verse in your scripture? There are a lot of verses in the Bible that are significant. But I believe, and I'm open to correction, not very much, but I'm open to correction on this, that John 15, 26 is probably the most succinct statement of the reason why God has given us the Holy Spirit as the result of the resurrection, ascension, and glorification of the Lord Jesus. Remember, I will send the Spirit. So, if there's not much you know from the Word of God concerning the purpose of the Spirit, learn this verse, 1526 of the Gospel of John. And this is what Jesus is telling the disciples on the night that he's betrayed and going to leave them. And he's explaining to them, I'm going away, but I'm sending someone else. When the helper whom I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness or he will testify to me or he will manifest me. Now, I believe that one verse encapsulates the entire purpose and ministry of the Holy Spirit. It's all about Jesus. It's all for Jesus. And it's all from Jesus to the glory of God the Father. That summarizes the gifts of the Spirit. You see, in John 16, 14, again, as Jesus continues to instruct the believers, the disciples, he tells them, hey, I'm giving you the Spirit because he's going to glorify me. <clears throat> he's going to magnify who I am and what I do. He's going to glorify me. He's going to do a work in you, through you, and among you so that when this work continues, is active, you're going to know the glory of this man, Jesus Christ. And if any of you who have children or grandchildren know, when any of your children or grandchildren or great, how many great grand people in here, great grandmothers and daddies, good for y'all. Clap, 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 great. <laughs> clap, 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 great. As you know, when your child, if you would, is glorified, do you, do you get the context of what I'm saying? 
is made much over. You are glorified in that. Correct? I've told the story many times. I wasn't going to share it, but I'm going to share it because it's about my daughter. Gina and I are sitting in the auditorium. And she's coming out of the eighth grade. You know, you graduate from the eighth grade and you're going to the ninth grade. Junior high to senior high. And the principal is telling everybody there's a particular award that is not given every year, but it's only given for certain students who academically are good, but who also exhibit certain characteristics, certain moral ways of living, relationships, etc. And so I'm waiting there, but I'm not expecting anything. Not that I demean my daughter, but you know. And then she says, Ashley Davidson. I let out a roar. Now, I know that some of you don't know what that sounds like. Did I let out a roar? Jean went under the chair. And it took us an hour to find her. Everybody knew that was my daughter. Everybody. And you see, we're in another graduation. And Gene says to me, now don't get loud. And I'm not getting loud if there's nothing to be loud about. I can be very quiet or very loud. And so, another granddaughter of uh, one of our granddaughters is graduating, and guess who is going to get an award? I couldn't control myself to listen to my wife. But at least this time, I don't know whether she put cotton in her ears or whatever it is that she put in there, but there's something in me that must proclaim great joy over my children. Where do we get that? That's God over his son. And so when God sees the church, mm, this God of ours is bristling with great joy because the church is the manifestation of the glory and the greatness of his son. And that glory and greatness of the Son of God is placed in us by the Spirit and is manifested to us by the Spirit, is manifested through us by the Spirit, and is manifested among us by the same Spirit. So to the extent That Jesus is being manifested, is being witnessed or testified to by the Spirit in us individually and corporately. God the Father is glorified. I'm never going to get through all these notes. We've got to have two or three hours here, Bill. We need to talk to the elders and change this thing. Now. 
through the manifesting, how does he do it? How does, how does the Holy Spirit manifest Jesus? Through manifesting his words and deeds. Right? Manifesting his words and deeds. The gifts of the Spirit, as listed in 1 Corinthians, and there are other gifts of the Spirit. We're not ignoring them. We're not elevating these above others, but this is where we are. So in Ephesians 4, you have gifts listed. You know, in 1 Peter 4, Romans 12, other places. But these particular gifts, as with all the gifts of God, but we're dealing with these. The gifts of the Spirit, as listed in our passage this morning, these nine. These are one of the ways that the Spirit glorifies Jesus. It's not the only way. But we must see why God gives us the gifts. To glorify Jesus. John 15, 26, when the helper comes whom I was sent and he will proceed from the Father, what? He will testify of me. That's going to happen. There's a lot about the Lord Jesus, obviously, that is a manifestation of the glory of God. And we always hesitate to say this issue or that or this attribute or the other. But I believe if there's a single attribute, which there isn't. Right, Evan? Because every attribute is fully contained in every other attribute. How do we work that out? But if there's a specific area, maybe at least for our identification and building up. That is given to us to glorify Jesus. There are many verses we could talk about, but I believe the Holy Spirit gave me this one. Now, some of this isn't in your notes, and so don't look around for it. Just take notes and move along. And so, in what particular area are these gifts glorifying Jesus? What aspect of him? Here's what I believe. God so loved the world that he gave his only Begotten, his one and only son. Whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him, through Christ, might be what? Saved. This is why Jesus told the disciples in John 13, 34. He says, I'm giving you a new commandment. It was not new in the essence of the commandment. It was new for them to begin to experience the commandment. And what does he tell them? He says, I want you to love one another. And I'm going to draw out the meaning. In the very same way that I have loved you. Love one another as I have loved you. John 13, 34. Did we get that? Okay. Now, how has Jesus loved us? How has he loved us? He's loved us in both words and deeds. 
How do you parents love your children? In words only? If you do, it's a hollow, hollow revelation. Because the words of love must be experienced by the deeds that are commensurate with the words. You can say I love you to someone all day long. It don't mean diddly squat. If it doesn't proceed or progress with deeds of love. Are you with me on this? This isn't too deep for us, is it? Isn't this the way we live? How many of us wait with great anticipation to give gifts to our children and family members and wives and husbands, etc., on Christmas morning. Anybody do that? There are only a few of you. <laughs> it's too bad. Why do we wait with great anticipation? Because these gifts scream, I love you. Amen? I love you. I'm your mom and them. For those of you who are not from here, that means parents. Mom and them mean parents. It's another translation. We have some people from the foreign country of Oregon. I wanted to explain that. And so what this means is that the gifts of the Spirit, and I've said this, but I'll say it again. I don't mind repeating myself. The gifts are from Jesus. They are for Jesus, for his benefit. And they are about Jesus. Are we getting an understanding of the context of the gifts of the Spirit? God the Father gives us the Spirit through the authoritative decree of Jesus. And he does that so that the Spirit brings the very person, life, deeds, words. The Spirit makes the heavenly man real and alive in me. Isn't that what is happening with the Holy Spirit in us? So Jesus loves us, love one another. How? Through the same kinds of what? Words and deeds. So let's turn our attention to think a little bit about how Jesus is manifested through these gifts. In John fifteen twelve, remember Jesus has said, love one another as I have loved you. So how has he loved us? He's told us and he showed us. Luke 8, 46 to 48. Jesus said, someone touch me. Well, you remember the context is all these people, crowds followed him. How many of you have ever been downtown on a very busy day and you're bumping into people and, and touching and whatever? Yes. And then all of a sudden Jesus said, someone touched me. And, the, you know, this happens. Are you kidding? What are you talking about? Someone touched you. He says, power has gone out. And a foreigner an alien, you know, one of those people who shouldn't be here. You know what I'm talking about, some of you? 
one of those persons of that particular group or race or ethnicity is one of those people. You know what I'm saying to you? Had touched the hem of Jesus' garment. Someone touched me. I know that power has gone out of me. Then the woman. A woman. Do you know what it was like for a foreign woman to touch a Jewish man? It made him unclean. Ritualistically. Oh my God. We, we have to read it from the context that it was written. But Jesus is not horrified. Aren't you glad that we don't horrify him? (laughs) Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet in the presence of all the people. And she told why she had touched him. And now she had been instantly healed. And he says to her, daughter, daughter, daughter. The gift of healing communicated that this woman was considered by Jesus as a daughter. How many of you ladies in here want to have an experience that Jesus considers you to be a daughter? Daughter. Not just, hey, woman. Hey, you. You. Daughter. Why did Jesus touch her? Why did he exercise the gift of healing? Because he was manifesting to her his love. Do we see the connection? Matthew 12, 22. Jesus and the guys are in the region of the Gadarenes. And then this wild man is running around and screeching and yelling. He's demonic. He's possessed. And the demon, when the demon, then the demon possessed, oppressed man who was blind and mute was brought to Jesus. Jesus healed him. What do you believe the people saw in the Healing touch of Jesus for that man. Criticism? Rebuke? Get your act together, do better next time? What was being communicated? What do you think? You can talk in here, it's okay. I don't have a problem with that. I'll just out talk here. What was it? He was communicating that God loves you. Do you see it? It was an arrow of the love of God from the Son of God, empowered by the Holy Spirit in the Son of God, to pierce that man's heart and soul with the reality of the love of God through a ministry of the gift of God. You remember this story, John chapter 11. Jesus and the guys are barbecuing. If you're not from New Orleans, you don't get these things, do you? 
They're eating crawfish. Probably not. And dashes into the company is a servant. I've come from Martha and Mary and Lazarus' house. And Lazarus is sick. He's going to die. He's dying. Now let me stop for a moment. For them who do not believe that these gifts are not operable for today. If you or one of your loved ones is dying, don't pray for healing. Why are you praying for healing if the gift isn't any longer available to us? We pray for what? Healing. How odd. I don't believe that's for today. Please heal my mama. And so, the Bible says, Jesus loved Mary and her sister Martha. Great. We know that. That's what John says. So what does he do to prove it? He hangs around here for the next few days and doesn't get to the little town of Bethany right outside of Jerusalem until now Lazarus has been buried dead for four days. Couldn't you have gotten here a little bit earlier? Jesus, had you been here, they both say to him, Martha and Mary, what? We know what? That my brother would what? Be alive. Ah, but Jesus said this. Ah, but here's what's going on. That you may, did I not tell you that you will see Did I not tell you what? That you will what? See, experience, hear the glory of God. And then he walks to the tomb. And he tells the people, roll the stone back. And they say, he stinks. Don't do that. But they roll the stone back. And this mighty man of the love of God walks straight up to the darkness and the blackness and the finality that is in the tomb where death controls and grips his people. And he looks into the depth of death itself. And he says, Lazarus, he says a loud voice, come forth. And what happened? He came out all bundled up. Well, you didn't read the word. He bundled and he says, loosen, untie him. Get him out of those clothes. How do we know Jesus loves us? We have been delivered from the grave. But then the practical, daily experience, proof, manifestation, testimony that we have actually been delivered from the grave by the death, resurrection, ascension, exaltation of Jesus Christ is given to us on a daily basis or however through the gifts of the heavenly father to us by the spirit.
Isn't it odd that God saves us and do all that, but I, don't want to, I can't give you any of these gifts anymore. And what Jesus did for Lazarus, he's still doing today. So how is the reality of Jesus being displayed in us, being portrayed? The gifts of the Spirit are the visible proof that Jesus loves us. John three sixteen. How do you know Jesus loves you? Well, I'm saved. Great. Is there any continuing proof? Do we need continuing proof? Wake up, church. Do we need continuing proof? Does anybody need continuing proof of God's love? Yes. Not of the essence of it, but of its encouragement and maturing work. And experiencing work. If we didn't need it, he wouldn't give it. I saved you. That's all you need. All you need to know is I saved you. That's it. And wait for the day I'll come back and we have it all. You don't need anything else. He doesn't do that. So you tell your children, I love you. I love you. I love you. You give them one gift and never give them another gift. Oh, well, they should. They should certainly believe what daddy says. You see, the problem is with us is that we're human beings. And we need a continuing, updating experience of the love of God in us. How many of you would say, I don't need any more experience of God's love? Stand up. I don't need any more. What I have is what I have and it's all I need and I don't want any more. Of course not. Of course not. Our prayer should daily be this. More. 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 Why? Because any parent who hears that kind of an exclamation concerning his love and care for his child is honored. Correct? Your children come to you and say, oh, okay, I don't need any more gifts. Thank you, mom. That's enough. Oh, my word. What is that all about? What it says is you don't understand the Father's love. The gifts of the Spirit are the earthly evidence, earthly evidence of the heavenly reality that Jesus today at this moment is the exalted King of glory, the Lord of creation, the ruling reigning and returning son of man. Every time we experience anything from God, and I mean anything, but let's at least make sure we're talking about the gifts of the spirit. Anytime we experience the gifts of the spirit, what God is shouting in us, to us, and among us, 
is that my son is king of kings and lord of lords. And he's coming back one day. That's what the gifts say. And so, the next time you're used in a gift, whatever it is, have the need of the person in mind, but not primarily. Have the person's need in mind, but what? Not what? Primarily. You do see the difference. Primarily when you are used in any gift of the Spirit, primarily have this in mind. God is going to, by the Spirit, proclaim the glory of the exaltation of his risen, ruling, and returning Son as we pray. That's what's happening in the gifts of the Spirit. That's why, why we want the gifts of the Spirit. Secondarily about us, primarily about the glory of this great God of ours. The gifts of the Spirit show what Romans 5, 5 tells us. For the love of God. What? For what, Paul? The what? The love of God has been what? You should know this verse. Romans 5, 5. Everybody should know it. The love of God has been what? Oh, no, no, no. Just drip by drip. Right, Phil? Just a little drip. Triggle. Little trick. What is it? Triggle? Trickle. Trickle sounded good to me. Just a little bit of trickle, right, Phil? What does it say? The love of God has been what? Poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. How do I know? How do I know? One of the ways that I know that is that I see the activity of God's love for his son And the Son's love for me through the loving gifts of the Holy Spirit in me and through me and among us. That's how I know. This is the activity of the love of God among us. And God is so pleased. Not only to pour out the Holy Spirit in individual hearts, but to continue to pour out the Spirit's activity and proof of Jesus among us through the work and the deeds of Jesus. The gifts of the Spirit are the continuing ministry of Jesus' love for us. Love one another what? That's a command to go ahead and do something that continues. Love one another, what? As I, in the same way as I, have loved, what? You. So the question is, are we seeking to love one another in more than just words? In deeds, and in many deeds, hospitality, kindness, consideration, you know, all of this. But one of the most powerful ways the love of God is manifested in us is through the gifts of the Spirit as listed in 1 Corinthians 12. How many churches, and hopefully rightly so, 
want to see their congregation on Sunday mornings packed out with worshipers? How many of you would like to see this place double in size? And your friends and your relatives and your all are in here. Would we? Can you say amen? Let me tell you. It's not through programs. It's not through, primarily through men, especially this man. You let a man like Alex who has a terminal disease be wheeled down here one morning and someone lays hands on that man and prays and that man is healed. The next week everybody who heard about that is going to be here. And you let the gifts of the Spirit become manifested among us where people know that the presence of the Holy Spirit is actually vibrantly alive in that church. You won't have to figure out how to get people here. In fact, Frank, we may have to shut down Alpha. We won't even have time for that. We don't want to see a diminishing of the work of the Spirit. We want to see a what? Increase. You just let it happen. Let three or four people cripple people and dying people and people, you know, some obvious stuff. Because, you know, oh, well, it's just psychological. You let that happen. And Phil, how long do you think it would take to fill this church? About three weeks? Right? In fact, the elders wouldn't even be able to get in here. Why? The gifts of the Spirit are screaming, God is there in loving power. Jesus is alive today as he ever was. That's what it's screaming. Most important, most important, if we don't get anything else today, get this. The pinnacle, the zenith, the top part of the purpose of the gifts of the Spirit is for the glory of God the Father. You remember in Philippians chapter 2. Paul is talking to the church and he tells the church, you know, have this mind, this attitude in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And then in verses 6 to 8, he explains how Jesus being in the form of God, being God himself eternally, takes on humanity, a human body and soul, and becomes obedient to the Father's will led by the Spirit, and is obedient, not just a little bit, but in verse 8, obedient even to what? Death on the cross. And how does God manifest, prove that that was his son obedient to death? Verses 9 to 11, wherefore also what? God has done what? Highly exalted him and has given him, Jesus, the name that is above every name, 
That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall what? Bow of things where? In the heavens, things on the earth, and things under the earth. And every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is what the gifts proclaim. So if you are interested in God the Father being glorified, you must embrace the gifts of the Spirit as one of the means, a very visible mean. So let's look at 1 Corinthians 12 again, 8 through 10. Do we want to put it up on the board there or not? Whatever. Let's read it now this time and listen to it this time within the context of what we've been saying. The one is given through the Spirit. Notice the Spirit all over the place. The utterance of wisdom. To another, the utterance of knowledge. According to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. And to another, the interpretation of tongues. When any of us experience the gift of knowledge and wisdom, we're not talking about wisdom and knowledge that is indigenous to us as humans, human beings. We are talking about a supernatural gift that God gives to us. When any of us experience that, either being used in it for someone or receiving it from someone, what are we experiencing? Jesus is here, and he loves me. How many of you find yourselves in circumstances where you really need the wisdom of God? God gives wisdom. We ask. We need. How many of us need a greater knowledge the spiritual knowledge of what's really going on around here. We need this. When we have received the gift of faith for a particular need, you know how sometimes you need something from God that's going to give you a greater amount of faith for something, right? When we receive that or pray for someone to receive it, Lloyd, and they get it, what are we experiencing? Jesus loves me. He's with me. I am his and he is mine. When someone is healed... What are we experiencing? Church, what are we experiencing? Jesus loves me. I am his and he is mine. And that translates to the glory of God the Father. 
when we experience the word of prophecy. Years ago, Tuesday morning, I'm in the office. And I get a strong impression. Call Joe and Sandra, whoever. Now, Joe and Sandra are a couple that have been meeting with me as we've been going through premarital counseling, right? Now, if Joe and Sandra are in here today, you can tell everybody I'm talking about you, but they won't know unless you say it. Call them. Now, Gina, I don't know why to call them, but I do know to call them. You see, because I know that the Holy Spirit communicates his will and gives us gifts to function in that will to the declaration that Jesus Christ is the Lord of glory. I know that. So I'll call them. And I get the wife on the phone. That's a wife noise. And I said, what, what, what name did I give her? Not Sophie, huh? Sandra. I said, Sandra, you need, you and Joe need to come meet with me. Why? I don't know why, but I felt the Holy Spirit said, come meet with me. I don't know. You see, the Holy Spirit didn't tell me. Guess what's going on? This is Tuesday morning. Okay. So come meet with me. Can you come in tomorrow? Yeah, okay. So they get in there at 7 o'clock in the morning. And they come in and say, sit down. They sit down. And so I ask them the obvious question. Why are we here? I don't know. Ben, I haven't been told. All I know is the Lord said do it. And I don't have to know anything else. You see, I don't have to have any brilliance. Thank God for that. I don't have to have all of the abilities. I have to have the functioning, powerful, continuing presence of the Holy Spirit in me. I have got to have the Holy Spirit. And she turns to him. This is Wednesday morning. I call them Tuesday morning. And she turns to him and says, how did he know? I said, know what? (laughs) Right, Sarah? Know what? I don't know what's happening. All I know is I was told to do something and I did it. So Tuesday night, I called them Tuesday morning, Tuesday night, the night before they're coming in the next morning, they have a knockdown drag out battle about whatever that was endangering their engagement. And God gave me the gift to call them so that their engagement being attacked by the enemy would be dealt, would be protected. Amen. What does that say? God loves them, me, us. Oh, I have too many stories. I have too many stories. 
what are we, when we're able to distinguish spiritual issues, hmm, you ever been in a deal where you know this ain't God? What is that gift saying? When we speak in tongues, oh. it doesn't say God gives seven of the nine. It's included. Why despise it? I know people babble on about a lot of things. And, you know, if that's being abused, then a whole lot of us should never speak anymore. <laughs> How many of us have abused the language that we have? Huh? Yes, yes. Right, Ray? Yes. I mean, Ray's been whittled down so much that when he and Linda were married, Ray would stand up, Ray. Ray was six foot eight when he got married. I'm telling you. Isn't Linda a good sport? It's just because we love you, honey child. We just love you. Oh, I'm going to get rebuked by someone on that one. What are we witnessing? If the Father says to us, I want to give you a spiritual language to better worship. And when needed in the congregation, I'll give you the interpretation. What is it saying? Jesus loves me. Is with me. I'm his and he is mine. You see, in each of these gifts, we are experiencing the active love of Jesus for us. But we must remember this. And we would be very remiss if we did not. Every gift from God and the very breath of my body and the beat of my heart is a gift. Would you agree with that? But but about these gifts, every gift of God has come to us at the very highest supreme cost. In order for God to give us these gifts by the Spirit, when he gave us the Spirit, Jesus had to die. Had to be buried. Had to rise again. Had to ascend to the throne. Had to be crowned as to his humanity, King of kings and Lord of lords. And was given the authority to send the Holy Spirit. So that his people would know that Jesus loves them and is in them and with them. And so that the world may see that there is a ruling, reigning, returning heavenly man on the throne of God. That's what they see. That's what they see. See, this is why we should not fear the gifts. This is why. How many of us have ever had or received a, a, a strange gift from our parents? Anybody? <laughs> we all have, but we knew what? It's strange. I'm not sure what it is, but I do know that it shows their love for me. You may consider some of these gifts as strange. 
And that's okay. But you must see them as the Father's gift of love to us. You see, because the supreme gift of love from the Father to us is the gift of Jesus. He is the gift of God's love to us who now comes to us and abides in us and is revealed in us and who lives in us and whose words and deeds are being manifested in us by the gift of the Holy Spirit. Everything is a gift. Everything. Has God's love decreased? Jeremiah 31, 3, the Lord says, I love you with a what? Everlasting love. God's love never began because God never began. God never, God's love will never end. Why? Because God will never end. And as sure and constant as his love is, these gifts will continue in us and should continue in us until we get to heaven where we don't need this anymore. Then we will see face to face. You see, we have the completed word of God. What is it called? The Bible. Oh, we so revere the word of God. Oh, what a word. But then the Holy Spirit enlivens the word so it's not just words on a page, but it becomes reality in me. And part of that enlivenment is the activity of the gifts in me, which are to be in concert with the word of God, not in competition, not in replacement of, but as in concert with promoting the reality and the continuing effect of what we have in our Bible. So when you go to the doctor, he has medical books all over the place. Is Jeff here today? There you are. And so you have medical books all over the place. But how do we know that that man is a doctor, not because he has books and talks about them, but because he ministers doctoring. His activities are an outflow, evidence, reality, application of what's in the book. It doesn't replace the book, it's in concert with the book if he's a competent doctor. We still need all the gifts. You see, this is why we should desire continually to be used by God in the gifts of the Spirit as the Spirit wills. Why? To the glory of God the Father, proven in the fact that Jesus loves me and is in me, and I'm with him, and he's with me. Thank you.